Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. You're hearing some Yacht Rock Thunder Island. That only means one thing, or maybe two. But in this case, what? Dave Schultz, WNSP in Mobile, friend of the program, friend of mine, joins me now over the phone line from Alabama. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm great, Scott. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's doing well back there in Lafayette. Absolutely, man. How are th- how are things in Mobile, Alabama? Things are wonderful. Things are great. So, I, you know, I have some close friends, um, family friends that I grew up with that live in Mobile, and they all, every one of them went to the University of Alabama. Every one of them sure. is a hardcore Crimson Tide fan. Now, Mobile's in a, right. an interesting part of the state in that it, it is there. Like, I just think of Mobile as like Crimson Tide country, but I'm not, I don't spend time there. I mean, you, you host the show there. What's the yeah. college football fan? If you had to like say, okay, this this is the majority and majority rules. What are the majority of college football fans in Mobile? You know, it's probably sixty forty. Uh, Alabama. Uh, it may also seem that way because you know the couple of years that I've been here, Alabama has been really good, and all those fans come out when they beat Alabama, and that's about it. Uh, but it's mostly Alabama, and I think last night we saw the reason why. So. Uh, you know, whenever you're uh, a team as good as Bama, I think anyone that's not a fan is going to look at you down. They'll say, you know, Saban just takes every pound of flesh from everyone on the team and they leave and a lot of them are beat up and Waddle can't walk. And it's just, while, while some of the points that individuals make have some validity, I just, it goes to show you that when you're that good and you win that much, folks are going to want to tear you down. But I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think Bama fans love it, Dave, but I find I find the Bama dynasty extremely boring. Well, I'm sure that you do, uh, being there in Louisiana. Uh, you know, Waddle said, you know, since he came back, it was going to be his decision, so he had to play. Remember, Devontae Smith couldn't play because of a finger, and I guess – Saban sort of made a joke of it in postgame, uh, but he couldn't get his finger back into place. Meanwhile, Justin Fields is playing with a hip pointer, and we'll find out if that transforms itself into a couple of ribs, because that's where I think we're going with this, because obviously he was even a couple of running plays. You could just see the acceleration not there. Um, but Waddle wasn't playing. The decision was his, and you know we've heard that throughout. We heard it from Saban, uh, but he wanted to be out there. So, uh, you know, I guess I give him credit. It's an ankle, right? So his ankle, even if he it again, he's going to be ready for the football season, right? He's got eight months, seven months to get ready. He got ready in about three for this game. So I think he was fine. Uh, obviously, he was in a little bit of pain. Um, but even in the second half without Devontae Smith, they still beat Ohio State 17-7 to in the second half. Yeah, it was they, – they, they were fine. You know, I think, I think with Bama, I was not surprised at the outcome. I said yesterday morning, I think Ohio State secondary was completely outmatched. I just had trouble getting into the game. I don't know, man. There was like there was a brief period yesterday afternoon where I forgot it was even happening. I don't know if that's that that might just be me and where I'm at in life as opposed to the national title game, but I. I couldn't really get into it, and as I'm watching it unfold, I I, I, I can say that while, while while simultaneously saying, look, Alabama is is as good as it gets, and 
I think they remind me a lot of the Spurs dynasty, which many found to be boring. I, sure. Because focus, technique, execution, discipline, uh, no nonsense, head coach. And I think the only difference is why, while why Bama maybe doesn't get as much. Why, why, I guess why that comparison doesn't get made as much, aside from the fact that it's two different sports, is that it's the SEC, rah-rah, fans, message boards, Paul Feinbaum, hi, Paul. I think it's just – I think it's the what happens off of the field from the fans that kind of adds a little pepper, if you will, to Alabama. But in terms of the, the actual program and how it's run, I can't think of two dynasties that are more similar – than what the Spurs had in the NBA and what Bama's got under Nick Saban. Well, I guess the only difference would be is that the Spurs always seem to make the right play at the right time, and maybe pun intended, but Alabama just rolls. You go down and go do a little Twitter switch switch, uh, or search on Ryan Day and see all the Ohio State fans that are complaining about his coaching. And uh, it's not Ryan Day's coaching. No one figured out how to stop Devontae Smith this year. Nobody. SEC, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Nobody figured it out, all right? And some of them got Devontae Smith lined up on a linebacker. All right, let's think about this. Max Jones, you know, it's almost an afterthought. He has 14 touchdowns in his last three games. 14. Najee Harris had 30 touchdowns this year, not in 15 ball games, but in, where are we, uh, in 13 ball games. Uh, and so they are, because they're, they're boring, because they are um, – People think that because they are so spectacularly better than everybody else. Over here, same thing, and I'm sure Ohio State fans are wondering, why are these wide receivers so wide open? I got Auburn fans seeing the exact same thing. Why can't Gus Malzahn and Auburn run the same plays that Alabama does? Because those guys always seem to be wide open. They did the same play three times, or versions of it, right? First touchdown was Devontae Smith, fakes going in motion. Well, goes in motion, comes back the other way, can't cover him. Then he goes in motion the whole way. Far side, touchdown. Slade Bolden comes across the field. Sean Reed slowly getting over. Touchdown. Same play. Nothing fancy. But you just couldn't beat them. That, that's how much better they are this year than everybody else. And uh, I think I saw the odds. I think Alabama is still a favorite next year. I think there's a, a window this season, just this season, uh, to, uh, or the next season coming up, um, because no Justin Fields, no Mac Jones, and no Trevor Lawrence. Now, we've seen the Clemson quarterback. He's pretty good, so we'll see where Clemson is. But I think there's going to be, you know, when I say a drop-off, maybe Alabama loses one or two ball games. That's about as much as I, I'm looking at because all that talent from the last two years is going to be in the NFL, whether it's on the offensive line, whether it's the wide receivers, whether it's the quarterback or Najee Harris. Uh, there's going to be an overload of talent leaving and, you know, between you and me, Scott, that LSU football program is a mess, both on the field and off the field. If you can tell me who the quarterback is next year for LSU, I'll be impressed because I got a feeling if it's one of the – you pick one of those guys, the other two could be gone. And who knows what's going to happen off the field, not only with LSU football, but LSU basketball. I know they got a lot of guys coming back. I know they had a great recruiting class. but That is just a situation that that's a problem. They're going to learn another defense this year. Um, you know, I know they got a lot of guys back, but I, I think, you know, we'll see if, if, if Kirby Smart is ever going to step it up with Georgia next year, maybe of the year, because he's got the quarterback that's coming back. Everyone else is going to be relatively new. Dave Schultz, our guest, ESPN 1420. I got to give it to Bo Pelini, Dave. The man was, 
was coaching at uh, an, an an FCS school, you know, a, a year ago, and went down to Baton Rouge and put together one of the worst defenses statistically in yeah. college football history, and then right. leaves with six million dollars. I mean, I that's, right. I, I don't I don't that's never been done before, and uh, I'd love to say it can never be done again, but you never know the way college football works, especially in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't know why they changed it so much. Now, you know, we have short memories, but if you go back last year, there was first half LSU defense and then second half LSU defense, and a couple of those teams, like a Florida game, with Bill Trasker sitting back having you know a little bit of lunch while he was going down up and down the field inside the stadium in the first half. Finally, in the second half, Dave Aranda dials up some pressure and they get to him, sort of like what we saw yesterday with Alabama. They were not getting to Justin Fields when it was fourteen fourteen. All of a sudden, Alabama dials up some pressure, and Ohio State couldn't handle it. Uh, so it, it's short memories, and maybe Devin White was better than we thought he was when when, when he was playing for LSU uh, in eighteen because he was missed last year. Uh, that's for sure. But we'll we'll see. Again, uh, I don't know who's going to win in the West. We'll see if Brian Harson. I'm not a big fan of the Mike Bobo hire for Auburn, but you know other people disagree with me. So we'll see where that goes uh, for next year. But I think there's a little bit of a window, and it's this year. Because think about this for Auburn, uh, Scott, all right? So we have Brian Harson and Mike Bobo in. Bo Nix is on his second uh, head coach and third OC. So we've got Auburn already with excuses. Well, first year under Mike Bobo and Brian Harson. Let's see next year. All right, so then next year, right, then they're going to say you just can't fix Bo Nix. Then you got, you know, this quarterback from North Shore in Houston coming in, Davis. Then all of a sudden they're going to say it's his first year. Who knows what happened? But they're already talking about this Alabama recruiting class coming in in 2021 as maybe the best ever, although that'll be tough to beat the one that's leaving. Uh, And those guys are going to be really good. And Auburn has like 10 commits this year. So when I say window, I'm talking about this year for Alabama because Bryce Young as a junior is probably going to be pretty good. And we saw Williams last night. We saw Slade Bolden last night. We'll see how long Mechie's around. Um, it's going to be tough sledding for anybody but Alabama uh, over the next couple of years outside of 2021. Dave Schultz, our guest, ESPN 1420. All right, so I thought about a team you root for when you were saying all that, that being the New England Patriots, because one one impressive thing about Bama's run under Saban is that they've done it in a stacked SEC. But as you pointed out, the SEC West next year might be more – NFC East-esque, like the way the East perhaps used to be. So maybe it doesn't even need to be Bama's best team, and they can still right. they can still go ahead and get it done. So I look at the Patriots, and you got to experience all these wins, and you know, with 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 the exception of a couple of gates and a um, and a massage right. and a massage, I think that the Patriots dynasty was. I mean, you. I think when it comes to a dynasty, we're just. Folks are just trying to find something to latch on to, and I think that's part of Gronk's personality. Yeah, he was kind of a big kid, but it was like, yeah, but look at the rest of the team. It's not like they have a lot of that flair. So naturally, he's going to take on this really, I guess, large light, and and that's fine. I mean, I, Gronk's a great player, and, and his personality was funny. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick, we doesn't say much. Well, let's just, let's make jokes about it, right? Let's make jokes about Nick Saban and how he's always grumpy and he never smiles. It's whenever it's just business as usual, 
I think fans are trying to find something to make it interesting outside of the fan base themselves of the team. There's a lot of fun there. So all of that is to ask you, what do you think is the most boring sports dynasty of your lifetime? And conversely, what do you think is the most entertaining? And if you say the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, then you got to pick a number two. (sighs) Well... Are we going to go Yankees like 96 through 2003? Oh, that's pretty boring. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, they were boring. methodical, right? That that 98, that 98 baseball team was as good as any. And yet I don't think they had like a 30 run, 30 home run hitter, right? They just had a dominating baseball team that, you know, moved the runner over and they were all the, you know, they were all of the, um, you know, math, all the analytics before we had analytics and taking long at bats and, you know, three and a half, four and a half hour ball games with the Red Sox. But, you know, they pitch three innings and go to the middle relief and then you bring in uh, Rivera and, you know, shut down. So maybe the Yankees, although that's another good team that I rooted for. So I love, uh, you know, boring winning franchises. You love it when it's you or you just love it in general? Well, both. Of course. I mean, Scott, you, you know, you know, it. It's, I mean, people back in Lafayette know it's all about me. Good. Good. Uh, I, I think I, somebody, you know, I, I, I put up a poll last night. Who's the more boring sports dynasty, the Spurs or, or the, you know, Alabama under Saban. And I got, right. you know, some DM from someone like, this is dumb. You know, dynasties aren't boring. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that blanket state, I, I would agree with that blanket statement, Right, I don't think in general sports dynasties are boring. I think I think you have to take it case by case. You have to look at where a league is at that moment in time. You have to look at the franchise itself and its personality. I think you got to look everywhere. I think right now, you know, Bama's kind of boring, and their fans don't care. I mean, you just you just want to win. The Saints want to be boring and win a whole bunch of Super Bowls, Dave. I'm here for it, man. You know, I'll pull up right. a chair and I'll right. enjoy every second of it. Um, you know, speaking of saving. A lot of people will look at Billy Napier's approach to his day-to-day job, how he builds the program, uh, the the rigorous dedication to organization and schedule and routine. And, you know, Billy's very open. He says, look, I, I take a little bit, you know, of everywhere I've been and, and kind of just, you know, try to learn from it. He has his notebook. He jots down stuff every single day. Um, I don't think any Cajun fans would tell you finishing the season ranked 15th with the best ranking ever is boring because it's not. What what was what was it like doing a show in Alabama when his name came up for the Auburn job and there were reports that early in the process, you know, they wanted him and he realized this just isn't where I want to be, you know, I don't want to be handcuffed. What was the reaction like from both you and I guess from some of the Auburn fans that you interact with on a regular basis? Well, a couple things. Uh, first off, I had uh, really perpetuated rumors that it would be a good idea. I mean, we're talking about back in March and April that if, you know, Will Muschamp doesn't want to lose his job, even in the year of COVID, he better win. And that there's someone in Lafayette, Louisiana, who may be up for that job. All right. I, this is way before anyone was talking about it. And obviously, when there was no coastal game, he interviewed, and that didn't work out. So things changed with the Auburn search, right? It was first the boosters who all wanted Gus out and Kevin And then when that didn't work, they said, all right, let's bring Billy Napier in. And apparently, um, 
from reports back there and laughing at reports here, that was still the same thing. You, you got to have this guy as a coach and that guy as a coach. And then Alan Green said, no, that's not going to work. We're going to go out. We're going to go out and get a football hire in Brian, Brian Harson. And as much as I didn't like the Mike Bobo hire, I love the Brian Harson hire. I think that's a great job by Alan Green. So people here, when they're talking about Billy Napier and like, well, Billy Napier doesn't, you know, throw the football. He's not going to be able to keep up with Alabama. I'm like, well, hold on a second. We really don't know that yet with Billy Napier. We know what Billy Napier walked into, and Billy Napier walked into Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson, who are now both playing in the NFL. He walked into Eli Mitchell, Trey Regis, and Chris Smith, right? Uh, although, did he? Br- I think he brought Chris Smith in. So he, Ray, he or, Raymond, uh, Raymond Collier. Right, Raymond Collier. Raymond Collier. Yeah. That's right. So he walked into this. Why am I going to throw the football? Right, because I got these horses, and we'll run spread offenses, but we'll run out of it, and we'll get Levi Lewis, who admittedly probably this year took a little bit of a step back, but hey, that could be young wide receivers and maybe an offensive line issues. And so next year, I know Eli's going away and Trey is going to the NFL, but Chris Smith will be there, and I'm sure there's a, a stable of running backs. Now, offensive line mostly will be back, and the wide receivers are going to cut are, are going to be back. So. Good, or we're all banged up before the season started, we'll be back. And so I think there's a good shot that we'll see Napier open things up. But everyone was like, well, he just runs the ball. That's what he got. Uh, I think we lost you there, Dave. You still there? I think we lost Dave. This is the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I moved you. Uh, we you? got you. You just came back, Dave. Go ahead. You were mid. I started, started dialing. Yeah, I started. I started dialing. Started dialing my nephew. I don't know what happened there. Um, so he actually is, is winning with the guys. You know, the guy just took a high school coaching job over here on the Gulf Coast. Hut Smith has a lot of the guys. That Napier brought in. Now that's going to flip for the most part outside of Levi, and we'll see if Napier opens up the offense a little bit. My guess is that he will. All right. My guess is that next year, Levi Lewis uh, is going to be in competition with Grayson McCall on who is going to lead uh, the, the Sun Belt in passing. I'm also very interested to see, and we're going to presume that we're all back and it's a full stadium if Cajun's fans come back. Because if they're still drawing ten to fifteen thousand fans, we'll see how long Napier sits around. Because if you can't bring in, you know, if you, they'll be preseason top twenty or top twenty-five, anyways. So we'll see where you know the program is. Because you know, over here for the most part, right, people sell out. Although not South, uh, and we'll see what they do. They got a good new coach uh, coming in. And everyone around here is excited. So we'll see if Cajun fans come back. Because when I got there, right, I couldn't get cell phone uh, coverage because, you know, the, the tailgating was off the charts. And, you know, they're putting in 25, 30,000 fans uh, in 2013 and 2014. And I would joke when it started to go down, when the economy sort of, uh, you know, tanked a little bit in the oil and gas industry, that were, why are we under 20,000? And then it got to 15 and 10. And now we'll see if it comes back next year because I think the offense is going to open up and, you know, they're coming off the two best years in Raging Cajun football history. So I, I think it'll be very interesting for Auburn fans. I don't know what Napier can do with a passing offense because he walked into a running offense, and why would he change that? ESPN1420.com. I, I think uh, Dave Schultz, our guest, when you look at a great coach, 
for a successful coach, and and you know we've spent a lot of time on Saban this morning, and he's probably the best college football coach ever. Uh, can you evolve? Can you adapt? And that's probably something Saban doesn't get enough credit for, and he's he's constantly doing it. Um, you know, Napier's young, right? He's in his early forties. He's still at his first head coaching job. He's had tremendous success here at uh, at Louisiana, but. I think I think when it comes to adapting or evolving or learning from something, like he, Billy Billy doesn't strike me as a a, a stubborn guy that's like, nope, we're going to keep it like this. It's just how it's going to be. Like you know, in talking to him about his routine and things like that, I think I think that's a key for anybody to last a while as a head coach. Now in college, there's a lot of different factors, but to your point earlier, I think if it if it comes time to change something based on the roster you have, the personnel you have, um, and some of your your philosophies, at least on field as a coach, I think that's something that that he's going to do. Dave Schultz is our guest, ESP at fourteen twenty and dot com. All right, Dave, before we uh, before we let you go, are you do you root for the Bucks since you're just a big Brady fanboy? I mean, are you are you rooting against the Saints oh, Sunday? No, we're, we're, Come we're, on now, we're who that? All right. All no, right. no, no, no. We're who that nation. Brady <laughs> left me. Why would I? Why would I follow Brady? Hey, no, man, no, no. Brady I, didn't I, want any part of the Patriots. We're who that nation. I am really nervous about that ball game. Chance, right? That Brady looks as bad as he has in the two games so far against the Saints, and he looks that way a third time, right? And by the way, because Brady looked that bad in that one game, I didn't make the fantasy football playoffs. I needed like fifteen points. He got like five. Dave, uh, what is it? Hashtag shut up, Dave. No one cares about your fantasy team, buddy. I care about my fantasy team. That's cash, baby. Yeah, yeah, I care about it. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm just telling you, I'm holding a grudge. All you right, all right. So you're, you don't want to show up and play well on uh, on uh, on a Sunday, and I lose, and you leave my team? We're a hoodat nation. I just think, and we all know this, Scott, NFL is week to week. So I don't care that the Saints didn't look particularly good this past week. I don't think the Bucks look particularly good this past week in the playoffs. It's win and move on. You need a four-point differential uh, throughout the playoffs to, to be Super Bowl champions this Take year. Uh, the Saints got plenty of that. So, I, you know, just win and move on, baby. Just win and move on. Yeah, man, I, I think there's probably too much. Like, the previous games are part of the analysis, but it's almost too much the – well, beating a team three times, even though historically when teams play each other three times in a season, the team that won the first two has won two out of three times in the third match. That doesn't matter, right? Or you could say, oh, well, the most when – you, when you look at uh, teams that, that lost twice in a season to a team but then beat them in the playoffs, if you look at the three times that it's happened, the most lopsided point differential in the regular season, which would be this one, Saints plus 46 on the Bucks. If you look at second, third, and fourth on that list – the losing team in the regular season went on to win that game despite getting crushed. So, like, it really, you can pull up whatever stat you want to try to convince yourself of what happened in early November and what happened in September is going to mean blank on Sunday. But really, it doesn't right. mean blank. It doesn't mean anything. It's just... It, no. it, it's you've got a new matchup. The Bucks now have their, their starting guard back who they didn't have last time. And I think... You know, if if you the I I think in and I'll ask Larry Holder. He might disagree with me. I don't know how much Peyton's going to really try to emphasize the run game. I don't think he's going to abandon it. But Tampa, you know, they don't have a great secondary, but they are one of the best in football against the run. Nobody seems to run on them. 
And yet, if you're going to pass a lot, I think the key for both the Saints and the Bucks, if you want to slow them down, get pressure with the front four. Get pressure on the quarterback. Don't send more than four. And if you can get pressure with the front four, you can get to them. Well, Washington had a really good front four, and they didn't get to Brady much until in, until that fourth quarter uh, last Saturday night. So I'm right. I'm expecting right. um, a lot of anxiety. I do think I do think the Saints are going to come away victorious. Right now they're a three point favorite, but I think this thing is going down to the wire, and I, I think it's just going to be a couple of hours of agony for Saints fans. But if it's euphoria when the clock strikes zero, just take it. Um, no, I think, you know, Devin White's going to be back for Tampa, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know about establishing the run. They did a really good job early in the game. Although, Kamara had a had an okay game. He didn't really break one until the end. He seemed to, you know, instead of getting the two or three yards that a lot of running backs get, all of a sudden he's like eight yards down the field. Uh, so he graded it out uh, this past week. Uh, I'm with you. You know, just, you know, win by one and be happy about it and, you know, hope Green Bay loses. We'll worry about Green Bay later. But, like, last week, you know, during the game, they're like, I'm watching, I'm like, the Bills are beating the Chiefs. I'm like, that's like two weeks. Yeah. All right. You know, the Chiefs have not been, you know, the Chiefs are not the 2007 Patriots, and they lost. So, yeah, I'll worry about the Packers in a couple of weeks. Let's just get past, uh, let's get past the Bucs and, uh, and see what can happen. Um, you know, in Green Bay, if the, if the showdown uh, should happen, if obviously Green Bay should lose, then the NFC Championship is in New Orleans. So, should the uh, should the Saints win? I think they'll pull it off. I just don't think it's going to be nearly as easy as the first two ballgames. No. Dave Schultz has been our guest at Dave WNSP, hosting Afternoons 3 to 6 in Mobile on WNSP. Uh, Dave, you, you said you were going to ask me my favorite Yacht Rock song. I am not an expert on this. Uh, you certainly are. So, so does the songs by Toto count as yacht rock? Sure, absolutely, very much so. But you can do it. Come on. Oh, Come then, on, then, it's, then it's two, then it's then it's three, four. Hold, hold the Randy, line. You're Hold're... a fine girl, such a fine girl. What? What a good wife you would be, such a fine girl. Come on, no brandy. No, no, no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna no. pass on I'm gonna pass on brandy. So that's your number one, is brandy. That's your number one. Brandy's a good one. Yeah, Brandy's a good one. A little Christopher Cross, maybe? A little sailing? A little sailing? Yeah. If you get caught between the moon and New York City. I know it's crazy, but it's true. Anybody wants to send Dave a nice nope. gift, uh, some singing lessons nope. could come in handy, Dave. Don't change, my right, friend. Right, that'd be nice. Right, right. I thought I'll, I nailed it. Yeah, I, yeah. You know. What's uh? I mean, just just do a, try try to hit the notes in Africa. Go ahead. We could well we could do a little uh you know I'm not talking about moving in and I don't want to change your life but there's a warm wind blowing that starts around and I'd really love to see you tonight. That wasn't bad. I was close. Maybe a little flat. Not bad. <laughs> wasn't boring. I'll give you that much. And and I can't say go. as much about Bama football, but uh, they're. You're you're the polar opposite of what they are on the field in terms of singing. So I'll leave it at that. I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> appreciate it, man, Dave. Thanks for taking the time. All right, All that best. is uh, our friend Dave Schultz. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this. <sighs> Some sports dynasties that we haven't mentioned yet. Boring. Others, not boring. And why each sport really 
kind of could be good for it. I'll explain next. ESPN1420.com.